Okay, welcome everybody. So uh, I'll quickly do a recap, like we do every week, and then uh, then move on to the lesson on spending. Uh, that's a very very important lesson because that really drives uh, a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about. Okay? Um, so you know, we talked about uh, the foundational principles, which is you know what what does the scripture say about God's part in handling money, and what does it say about our part in handling money. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what we saw is that uh, God uh, is, is the owner of everything. So, so basically everything belongs to God. And this was, uh, this was an important principle for us to, um, to just uh, uh, be able to accept and, and, uh, and live by. Uh, secondly, God is in control, right? So he's the owner. He owns 100% of everything we have. So any decisions that we make, uh, you know, is really about spending God's money, not our own. Uh, he's in complete control. He's sovereign uh, over every circumstance, over how much money we have, how much money we don't have, over, uh, you know, um, whether we have a job, not have a job. And then he's the provider. So he has promised to provide uh, and he has promised to provide for our needs, right? Our food, clothing and shelter. Uh, and uh, very often, uh, you know, we are not very content um, you know, with what uh, with what we have, because you know we want a lot more than what we need, and, and and God has promised, and we should be content as long as our needs are being met, right? Uh, we should be content with whatever God gives us, uh, and what, with whatever we gives us, gives us, we have to then you know meet our needs with that, right? Um, and then what's our part in handling money? It's uh, it's about this concept of faithful stewardship. So we should be faithful stewards of what belongs to God and he has given it to us. A steward is a manager, right? It's a manager of the resources of somebody else. And we always have to think, uh, uh, keep this in, in our minds that, uh, you know what, uh, uh, it doesn't belong to me, right? And that means that I need to be very thoughtful about the decisions that I'm making. I need to be very thoughtful and prayerful about, uh, you know, how I choose to spend the money, uh, what I choose to spend it on. Uh, because at the end of the day, I am I am just a steward of what God has given me, and that is true with everything. We're talking about money here, but it's money, our talents, our time, uh, you know, all the resources that we have. Uh, and God wants us to be faithful with little, you know. Uh, and if we're faithful with little, He might bless us with more to steward on His behalf. Uh, we talked about uh, debt and the dangers of debt and how. Uh, you know, uh, the debt lifestyle is something that, uh, you know, that uh, really uh, causes a lot of stress in life. Uh, as we know, you know, paying off our EMIs, especially when the economy, economic situation is not uh, very good like it is right now. And things are getting worse and we're losing people and losing jobs. Uh, you know, just this last week, we found out about, you know, more folks in CDF who are losing their jobs, uh, being laid off. Uh, that's, that's what happens when the economy goes bad. And of course, if you have a lot of debt when you're in that situation, immediately the stress levels go up. Okay, uh, and uh, it uh, debt also causes us to deny reality. Okay, and it leads to fi- uh, financial bondage because uh, you know we, uh, uh, we we are able to artificially increase our standard of living. Right, the debt allows us to if we can meet those EMI payments, we are we are buying more and more stuff, which is gradually increasing our standard of living. It can be addictive. It presumes on the future. It deprives God of a chance to provide or deny. 
and it's a loss of opportunity because you're spending a lot of money, um, you know, servicing the debt that could be going towards meeting your needs or saving for the future or even giving back to the Lord. Uh, the, the part about presuming on the future, again, probably a lot of people, you know, the economy has been good for the last uh, four or five years, uh, you know, good increases, a lot of jobs, the market was hot, uh, you know, and we would have assumed in our minds, it's natural human thinking that in our minds, we think, oh, this is going to continue forever, right? And we presume, and nobody even foresaw, right, that, uh, you know, we're going to be in the situation where even, I was just thinking back today, just uh, in February, you know, in, in the first week of February, myself and Brother John Varghese had gone to Polalkare uh, for some meetings and, uh, and we were driving back and that was like barely, you know, March, April, May, just three months ago, right? And, and, and yeah, we had sort of an inkling that there was this Corona thing going around, but, you know, had no thought even at that time that, uh, you know, and we talked about all kinds of things on the way there, on the way back, but never once did we think about about any of this stuff, right? So it's just hit us all for some. So it presumes on the future over which we have no control, right? James chapter four, it says, for you who says today and tomorrow, I will go here and there and do this and that and uh, all that, you know, it, it, it says, you know, we are being fools to presume on the future and assume that things are just going to keep going the way they are today. So uh, some key principles on debt, as we went through the scriptures, we want to be true to the scriptures here uh, and apply principles, right, to come up with practices. Uh, so we found that debt is not absolutely forbidden, but it is strongly discouraged. And, and so the conclusion we can draw from this is debt, being in a debt situation, a debtor situation is not really something that is, uh, you know, that, that, that scripture views as a positive thing. Uh, it is not a wise thing even though from a worldly standpoint, you know, we are pushed towards it. It's not what God really desires, right? And we looked at all the verses, um, you know, the scripture warns against debt. It shouldn't be normative. And we should make every effort to get out of debt. In the Proverbs, it talks about, you know, if you, are, if you have given, um, you know, if you, have, if, if you have taken a debt from a friend, you go, you know, while it's still night, you go and, and pay him back, you know, so that you don't, you don't, you're not remaining bonded. So, when can we consider taking a debt? So, uh, first of all, you know, the principle is that the item that we purchase, if we, if we do decide after praying and we went through some 12, 13 questions to ask ourselves, right, go into it very carefully, make sure that this is really what, what I need to, what the Lord wants me to do. You, 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 you use this filter here, right? So, is the item that I'm purchasing on debt, uh, is it appreciating, right? Is it an appreciating asset? Uh, is it income producing? Is it likely to generate some income for me? Okay, like for example, it's for a business. But again, with a business, there's a lot of risk there. So you've got to make sure that you're covered, right? That, that you, you got the, you know, that, that you have enough there to, um, you know, to make an informed decision. Uh, the value of the item. Uh, so the value of the item, the value of what you're buying should exceed what you owe. So in other words, uh, again, this means that, you know, you don't take a loan typically on a, depreciating asset, right? A loan where you're paying interest. Um, you want to make sure that, that uh, you know, if something is worth a uh, thousand rupees, uh, you know, I don't owe more than a thousand, right? Or not even a thousand. Maybe I should only owe 400 or 500 on it, you know, uh, so that what I owe is less than what that item is, is worth. Um, the size of the debt should not strain our budget. And we're going to talk more about budgets today. 
uh, when we get into the lesson on spending, um, does not cause us to violate convictions, does not cause us to rob God of his due. So again, going into the debt should not reduce your commitment of, of what you're explicitly giving back to the Lord. Uh, it shouldn't restrict our response to the Holy Spirit's prompting to help others. In other words, it shouldn't put you in such a tight situation that you have nothing left over to help somebody. Okay, If your brother comes knocking on the door and he needs help, and he's desperate, he needs help for food, you, know, you shouldn't be so hard up that you can't, you don't have the capacity to do that. Uh, and then it shouldn't restrict your response to the Holy Spirit's call to move uh, or to change. Okay, um, So I just want to address one thing um, you know, that came up in some of the questions, uh, and that's about a loan for a house, right? So people say, can I take a loan for a house and all that? So let's just apply these principles. Uh, again, um, you know, it's never a yes or no. It's, it's sort of a uh, maybe, right? It's a, it's a, it's a let's think about it and, and decide what makes sense for me, right? So first of all, uh, you know, am I purchasing an item that is appreciated or income producing? So if you're buying a house, you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, although again, you can't presume 100%, but generally speaking, the houses, you know, housing, at least in the Indian market, tends to either hold its value or or appreciate, right? Has been appreciating for a while. Maybe now we'll start, you know, just staying stagnant. But generally speaking, you know, uh, it is it is sort of a appreciating uh, or, or a safe sort of asset, right? Does the value of the item exceed the amount owed? So how do you apply this in this case of housing? Okay, what you need to look at is, is how much am I taking the loan for? Okay, so uh, if the house is, um, I don't know, I'll just make up a number, you know, 40 lakhs or let's say 50 lakhs, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, the value of the house today. Okay, um, if I'm taking out a 50 lakh loan, uh, that's very dicey. Okay. Uh, because what if tomorrow something happens, the market crashes, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, you're going to have all of a sudden an, an asset, uh, you're going to have a loan or liability against an asset uh, with, with a value that doesn't cover that liability. So, you know, you want to make sure that when you do, uh, you know, prayerfully decide to take a loan for housing, uh, then you, you're you able to at least pay a significant down payment. You know, I would, I would recommend uh, at least about 20%. Right, so uh, so in that case of the fifty lakh uh, house, you know, you want to put at least ten lakhs down and only take a loan at most on about forty. If you can do more, then put twenty down and take a loan thirty. That's even better, right? Um, you know, uh, then the size of the debt does not strain your budget. So again, take a look at okay, now I've got to make this EMI. You know, how does that compare? I was paying rent before, so you know, is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? You know, how is it going to uh, impact my budget, you know, am I going to have to steal from what I give to the Lord? You know, maybe I'm, I'm, I've been convicted and I've gotten to the point where I'm able to give, say, 15% of my income to the Lord. Okay, now, because I take this on, this debt on, am I going to have to reduce the 15 to 10? Okay, uh, you know, pray about that, right? Is that really what the Lord wants you to do? I, I tend to follow the principle that once I reach a certain level, that's a commitment I'm making to the Lord. And of course, it's not something you need to be legalistic about. Prayerfully, you can always bring that down, but but think about it, okay? Um, and then, you know, uh, the uh, the other point I would make is that that, that second point is very important because uh, the value of the item should not exceed the, the uh, sort of the value of the item should exceed the amount that you owe in the loan. 
And the reason that's very important is because should you get in a bind, okay, uh, say three years down the road, the economy goes, you lost your, your job, you know, you don't, uh, you don't uh, have the, the salary income to pay it off, you know, pay off your EMI, then uh, you always have the option then of selling that house, okay? And if it's got value and you've got a decent amount of equity in it, you will actually get some cash back, right? You have the option to sell it. If the value of that house at that point exceeds what you owe, sell it, pay off your, your loan, and then, you know, go live with a relative or a family member or go live in a rented place, cheaper place, right? Downgrade. So it, it gives you those options. But if you are so extended, then you don't have those options, right? If you're buying something way beyond your means, you don't have that option, right? And, and also keep these in mind that just because the EMI allows, allows me to buy a house that's one crore, okay? Uh, is that really the wise thing to do? Do I really need a house then, right? You know, what's the size of my family? You know, should I stick to a two BHK or does it, you know, when you start shopping, there's always this attraction, you know, and the, 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 the people who are selling the houses, they want to give you, you know, why don't you get a three BHK? It only costs you another, uh, you know, eight lakhs, 10 lakhs, whatever, right? Um, and there's a temptation to do that, but always go back and, and, and follow these principles, okay? apply these principles. So that's what I would say about, about taking a loan for a house. I hope that's helpful. Uh, then we talked about giving. So what are the benefits of giving? So giving is giving a portion of our income, uh, you know, to reward, you know, like a first fruits, like, a, uh, you know, you're just setting aside something, okay? And it's acknowledging that God is the owner, okay? Saying, God, you're the owner, so I am going to, sacrifice I'm going to set apart just as the children of Israel were called to set apart their first fruits of their crops just as they were called to uh, to consecrate their firstborn to the Lord right um, so what are the benefits of giving and increase the intimacy with the, with the Lord you know where your treasure is there your heart will be also uh, it develops character uh, causes unselfishness it creates an unselfish nature in you where you're not sort of holding on to your money and you're not uh, hesitant to give to the needs of others because we are called to be cheerful givers. It's investing for eternity, right? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt. Um, increase in material blessings that we looked at this passage, you know, where the Lord has promised that he will bless us, he will meet our needs. But then we have to respond to it by increasing our giving, right? So when the Lord blesses you financially, you give more. Uh, and it meets the needs of the saints, Second Corinthians 9, 12 to 14, where where the saints are encouraged, they and and they're, uh, you know, they they abound in thanksgiving to the Lord, and then they pray for you, and you know, when their needs are met through us, right? And that is a tremendous blessing uh, in our lives when we have saints praying for us. So we looked at tithes and all that. So what we say is the principles for how much we should give. You know, the tithe is a good, uh, you know, the tithe is a good starting point, uh, and should be the minimum. That we give, our goal should be to increase our giving beyond the tithe. Okay, and I would suggest that we determine a fixed percentage, uh, whether that's you know where you are today, it's five percent, eight percent, ten percent, whatever. If you can make it to ten just yet, work your way up towards it. Once you're at ten, as your income starts uh, increasing, you know, as you start getting those increments, you know, maybe you make a commitment to the Lord. Says Lord, whatever increment you give me, half of that I'm going to add to my giving. Okay. Uh, you know, or maybe more, um, you know, so, so that allows you to increase that percentage and then hold to it, right? Uh, 
as your income grows, you keep increasing. And then you need to give off all your income, right? Whether your salary, your bonuses, your uh, appreciation, your interest that you get from your bank, from your, on your deposits, the, um, you know, the, the gain on your, on your investments, you know, any, any increase, right, that the Lord gives you, you give uh, of that to the Lord, apply that percentage. So, uh, so the, we talked about all the things, you know, the, the man's approach and God's approach, uh, you know, to, uh, to this. And then, um, uh, so we've, uh, we've uh, already uh, addressed all of these things. Uh, I'm not going to spend time on it. Uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So God's ways are not like man's ways, right? And I just want to address one point about giving before we move on. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions about, uh, about um, giving to other believers, right? So, you know, um, and, you know, if a believer comes and he keeps, if, if there are believers who sort of make a habit of going around to different people, this, this question took different forms, but it was, it was something like, you know, if they keep coming all the time, um, you know, should we give? Uh, you know, the general principle is that, you know, God wants us to give to our brother or sister in need. Okay, but that, is not, that does not mean that we have to be unwise about it. Uh, you know, if a brother is repeatedly coming, you know, uh, you know, you should, uh, first of all, you need to understand and try to understand what is the real need. Okay. Why is this brother or sister needing money? Why is it that they are continuously in need? Okay. If somebody comes one time, they have a particular need. Okay. But then if they, if this happens repeatedly every couple of months, that means there's a serious problem, either in terms of how they are managing their money. They're not being wise about it or, uh, you know, they're spending too much. You know, so it's, it's, it's always wise to do it, uh, you know, not to be nosy, but to help the brother or take the brother to somebody who can advise him to look at his whole situation and understand what are the root causes for why this person needs this money, right? Is it, you know, of course, if they all of a sudden lose their jobs and, and they have a need, we, we understand, right? But when things are normal, you know, maybe there's something else going on, right? Maybe they've made some unwise decisions. Maybe they're continuing to make unwise decisions. So uh, certainly the the, uh, you know, the um, obligation or the duty we have to give to the needs does not mean that, that we're not applying wisdom to it. It doesn't mean that, you know, we want to help our brother and sister come out of financial bondage, not feed their financial bondage. Okay. So, uh, and if you need help with this, if you really feel like someone is asking and they're going sort of out of bounds, uh, please do check with, with us, okay, in the church context, check with the elders, so that we can intervene, uh, you know, and, and uh, try to just understand what's going on in that person's life, right? And uh, uh, maybe direct the giving in a, in, a, in a way that also helps him deal with those issues. Uh, says, I'll take everything you got, and he's got his credit card up. Okay? So this is the mentality of the world. I've got a credit card, I've got a piece of plastic, I can afford it, let me buy it, okay? But that's not what the Bible teaches. So uh, when we talk about spending, it's, it's, it's it completely, at the end of the day, it all boils down to lifestyle, okay? Uh, and, and lifestyle is a choice, okay? You and I make a choice of what kind of a lifestyle uh, we're going to have, okay? Whether it's an expensive lifestyle, a reasonable lifestyle, a cheap lifestyle, whatever, okay? And, and this is something that, that ultimately drives uh, a lot of decisions, okay? It drives whether we go into debt, okay? It drives how much we give, right? It pretty much drives, it, it sort of underlies 
all the financial decisions that we make. Whatever desires we have for lifestyle, it drives the kind of clothes we buy, uh, you know, the kind of car that we want to, uh, that, that we purchase, uh, you know, the kind of vacations that we have, uh, you know, the kind of travel that we do. Uh, everything is driven by our lifestyle choice. So, so how do you, what are some principles to apply for a Christian from scripture uh, with regard to our lifestyle? So, uh, let me just go over these uh, five principles here. Um, sorry, there's more than five. There's actually 10 of them. So we'll go through them quickly. So number one, you know, we have to think with an eternal perspective. Okay, So the culture and the media uh, implores us to focus on the immediate, right? So focus on today. So the question that, you know, focus on your life here, right? Uh, so for a Christian, you know, our life on earth, is very brief, okay, compared to eternity. So if you were to draw a timeline, you know, uh, the time that we are on this earth, you know, 60 or 70, 80, 90, whatever number of years is like a dot, okay, on the timeline of eternity, it's just a dot, it's insignificant, right? So we have an opportunity, as it says in Matthew six nineteen, where it says, pursue the eternal treasure and not the uh, worthless earthly treasure. Okay, we have an opportunity to influence uh, uh, eternity by how we handle our money today. So when you, uh, you know, you spend money to influence people for Christ, okay, so you trade temporal possessions that you could even afford perhaps, okay, given your income, uh, you know, you, you trade those possessions that we can't keep them anyway, right? So Job said, right, naked I came into the world and naked I leave, right? Uh, you know, uh, the, there's nothing that you can't, you can take with you, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there's an old saying in the U.S., uh, you know, there's a company in the U.S. called the U-Haul. Those of you have some experience with America, you know, U-Haul is a, a rental, you can rent trucks or a, or a, or a little, um, you know, a little thing that you can attach to your car to store all your goods. And typically when you move, you know, I know that when I moved from, uh, from Texas to Alabama, you know, I hired a U-Haul truck and um, and loaded it up with, with my earthly possessions. At that point, it fit within one, one little U-Haul truck and, you know, you can attach your car to the back of it and drive the truck along or you can get a little thing that you attach. So there's, a, there's an old saying that, you know, I never saw a U-Haul uh, attached to a hearse, okay? Uh, a hearse is uh, the little car that takes the coffin uh, to the cemetery uh, and, and, you know, the saying is that, you know, I never saw anybody... Uh, you know, whose body is being carried in a hearse, have a U-Haul, little U-Haul container attached to it, taking along his earthly position. So when you die, your earthly possessions goes to somebody else, okay? Um, so we need to trade our temporal possessions that we cannot keep anyway to gain eternal possessions that we cannot lose, okay? Um, so think with an eternal perspective, okay? When you choose your lifestyle, you know, sacrifice things on earth because our perspective is eternal. Uh, remember that you are a pilgrim. Okay, so Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of, you know, you are citizens of heaven, right? We are not, we are not earthly minded. We are not supposed to be earthly minded. Second Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors representing Christ on the earth. Okay, so we are ambassadors of Christ. We belong to another kingdom, another country. Hebrews 11.13 says that we are aliens, strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Uh, so what is a pilgrim? A pilgrim is a traveler. He's not a settler. Okay, he doesn't put roots anywhere. He lives in a tent. 
uh, you know, I'm not saying all of us should go and live in tents. It's a principle of the pilgrim here. Okay, a pilgrim mentality, right? So, but the way that a lot of believers, uh, you know, the lifestyle they choose, the decisions we make, it seems like, you know, they're going to be living forever and ever and ever, okay, on the earth. I mean, you look at how many houses they have, you know, they have a house they live in, they have a rental flat here, and you know, a lot of my, and these are not, you know, good non-believers, they have those, right? When I talk to my colleagues, every one of them has got at least three flats, okay, the one they live in, and two somewhere in the city that they're renting. Right? And I have none. Uh, you know, is that because I can't afford two flats? No, it's because, you know, that's just not, not the mentality that we as believers ought to live in, right? You have a place to live, but, uh, you know, putting roots, you know, in the ground that, uh, and, and we come up with all kinds of things. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, when we, we, we had a property in Kerala, the ancestral property and, you know, after my father died, uh, you know, my mother decided to come and stay with us, and you know, I, I immediately got rid of it. And people were like, "Oh, it's your, it's your ancestral property. You don't have any heritage. If you give it up, then oh, I wish we had." You know, I was like, "You know, our heritage is in heaven. It's not sitting in a piece of land in Kerala." Uh, okay, so uh, you know, we need to we need to keep this pilgrim mentality and not, uh, you know, not excessively accumulate things on the earth that can distract us from reaching uh, the goal or the destination. A pilgrim always travels light. Okay, a pilgrim travels with whatever he can fit in his tent and whatever, you know, the old days pilgrims in Abraham's day, you know, whatever you can fit on the back of the camel, right? So travel light through life. Uh, so material possessions are only valuable to a pilgrim as they facilitate his mission. Okay, so here you have a lot of questions on needs and wants. You know, how is this what I'm... What I'm uh, going to spend the money on or a choice I'm making, how is it going to facilitate my mission? Okay, in life. Now, if somebody is investing in something to make some money to uh, support missions work, you know, that's a different thing than you're investing to earn a living, okay, or, or earn a lot of income for yourself. Okay, so uh, think about, so that's where I'm saying it's not that it's it's right or wrong. Maybe there's there's a believer who who wants to give a lot to the Lord and he decides, you know what, I'm going to buy, you know, five flats and I'm going to rent them out and all the income that comes from it, I'm going to give to the Lord. Okay. Perfectly fine. Right. So it depends on your mentality and why you're doing it. And does it really facilitate your mission that, that, that the Lord has given you? Um, make an effort. Oops. Make an effort to live simply. Okay. So, uh, too many of the wrong types of positions can demand a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money, and they harm our relationship with the Lord and with others. Okay? So we are called to lead First Thessalonians 4, 11, 12. You know, we are to lead, lead a quiet and peaceable and simple life. Okay? The Lord has called us to be simple people. You know, and, and I think as believers, we need to be simple. Okay? Simple in what we spend money on, simple in how we choose uh, how we spend our time, you know, simple in, um, in the kind of purchases we make, simple even in the vehicles we drive, uh, you know, again, it all ties back to the pilgrim mentality. Remember that we are soldiers at war. So 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So being in war calls for uh, altered lifestyle. Okay, It means that you spend less on comfort. 
right? So as soldiers, we should be careful not to become unduly encumbered with the cares of this life. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about, you know, uh, shedding the weight that so easily entangles us, right? So we have a lot of entanglements in this life. Eh? Uh, some of it is our finances and our properties. You know, oh, I have, I have this EMI there, or I have this property there, I got to take care of this there. You know, and it takes up all your time taking care of all your properties that you have, right? So we are soldiers again. Then the other principle of choosing a lifestyle is to recognize the enemy. Okay. <clears throat> you know, for we do not wrestle, uh, Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is the devil's mission? The devil's mission is to divert us from serving Christ. And, uh, and he accomplishes this by tempting us to, uh, to serve uh, money. Okay, that's why Jesus said you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve mammon and God, right? So, uh, you know, Matthew 6, 24 is where that's from. You cannot serve both God and money. So serving money is difficult to identify because people praise you for the sin of loving money. Okay, so, uh, you know, uh, we just need to think of these principles, keep uh, you know, as you make those choices, okay, they're every day making choices on our lifestyle. You know, you're making choices on where I'm going to live. You're going to make choices on the kind of clothes I'm going to spend money on. You're making choices on, uh, you know, what kind of property you're going to buy, where you're going to eat, uh, what you're going to uh, spend on, where you're going to send your kids to school, all these things, right? But think with these things in mind. Think with an eternal perspective. Remember that you are a pilgrim. Make an effort to live simply. Remember that we are soldiers at war. Recognize the enemy. Okay, he tempts us to serve, to serve money. Okay, let's a few more, five more principles. You know, we have to spend in a way that pleases the Lord. So that means prayerfully submit decisions to the Lord. Okay. Now, uh, you know, uh, you know, so there's a lot of questions around how do I know between needs and wants. Okay. And by the way, I I, I don't believe that God is such a uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know what adjective to use here, but you know, God is the kind of God that doesn't want us to have some pleasures. Okay. He, he wants us to have some pleasures. You know, it's just a matter of whether you're living a pleasureful lifestyle or, or you're going to the Lord. I, I, yesterday, uh, you know, Rebicha and I were, were speaking with, uh, with one with a, with a brother and sister from right here in CBF. Okay. And, and, and we were just asking, well, what can we pray for? And, uh, you know, at, at the end of it, he said, well, you know what, uh, you know, I'd like you to pray for something because I've been praying for it. And he goes, you know, it might seem like a small thing, but I pray for everything. Like I pray for even small things. And we said, okay, what is that? And he said, you know what, uh, uh, you know, my wife and I and our kids, we haven't really had uh, a, a real holiday. You know, we haven't had a vacation uh, in many years because we've not been able to afford it. Okay. And I'm, I'm trying to save up some money and I'm praying that the Lord would make provision for us to do it. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, if you look at its strict definition, is it a need or a want? Yeah, it's probably not a need, but I don't think the Lord, what the Lord doesn't want us is to splurge. You know, I, I see people who are traveling to all kinds of overseas exotic locales and spending, you know, uh, lakhs of rupees every year. You know, that's not what this brother and sister wanted. They just wanted take a little break okay and they were not doing it for some period of time because they couldn't afford it all right and they wanted to pray and ask the lord and sometimes the lord will provide 
in, uh, in miraculous ways when you ask him. Okay? So, so uh, we don't have to put ourselves in a box on this and, and be very strict. And it's not about having a, a checklist that says, oh, this is okay, this is not okay. Right? So when you're giving to the Lord, uh, you know, when you're living a lifestyle that's not outside of your means, uh, when you're not frivolously spending on things that you don't need, uh, you know, the Lord gives you a little money to go on a holiday. By all means, go on a holiday, right? Um, you know, and, and, and it comes down to how, how you do that, right? So just to use the holiday example, uh, it was last year, I think, you know, uh, we hadn't gone on a holiday for a while. Okay? We had been on a trip to the U.S. because we had to go for some reasons a couple, few years ago. But last year, I felt, you know what, we need to go for a holiday. So we decided that, you know, after doing some checking around and, and all that, we said, uh, okay, we'll just go to Goa. You know, we like the beach. We'll go to Goa. So, of course, the next question is, you know, uh, how do we get there? And the next question is, where do we stay? And, you know, we could have all flown. Okay, we could have easily, I could have afforded to pay for, uh, you know, six tickets, air tickets to fly to Goa. It would have been very convenient. But we didn't do that. We took the bus. Okay, we took the bus over there and we took the train back. Uh, because we couldn't afford it? No, because there was no need for it, right? Uh, you know, we could have stayed at an expensive resort, uh, you know, but instead we, uh, you know, desavented, found some cheap place on Airbnb. Uh, you know, it looked very nice in the, on the website. When we got there, it was like two little rooms, you know, next to each other. Uh, well, that was fine. Okay, uh, there was a little, small little swimming pool in the thing. It was walking distance to the beach. And every time we would go out to eat or something, we would walk by this this big, fancy Taj property. Okay, and I've lived in Taj properties, uh, you know, due to my work and all this kind of thing. And you know, could we have? Could I afford it to go and spend one week at the Taj there? I could have. Okay, but again, we chose not to do that because you know I didn't think that that was necessary. Uh, it certainly wasn't necessary for us to have a relaxing time. Uh, but we felt we needed to do it, and we we, we spent you know on a budget uh, a certain amount of money. And we did that. So uh, that's the, uh, uh, you know, th that's the point about spending in a way that pleases the Lord. And we need to just keep watching uh, what, uh, what we're doing here. Okay. Uh, then uh, do not waste, right? So uh, we have a lot of waste in our lives. You know, when you buy something and there's something that I try to teach the kids, you know, whether it's wasting clothes, wasting toys, wasting food. Uh, do not compare yourself to others. Okay, so this is a tendency we always have. You know, the people that I work with, well, they buy more, they they drive more expensive cars, they live in bigger houses. Uh, you know, uh, and this is a big American thing. You always want to compare. Right? They've got a three bedroom, I need a four, and so on and so forth. So don't dictate your lifestyle based on the maximum that you can afford. Okay, don't dictate your lifestyle based on the maximum that you can afford. Your lifestyle should be based on the conviction that the Lord wants you to have a certain standard of living. Okay. Uh, and again, I'm not going to define what that is. That's something for each of us to, to you know, come to terms with the Lord. Do not desire more than what the, God, what the Lord has given you. So do not desire more power, more prestige, more wealth than the Lord has allowed you to have. Because remember, core principle, he is in control of everything. Uh, being used by Christ has nothing to do with high position or great riches. It has everything to do with our willingness to let Christ control uh, our lives. Okay. And then final principle, you know, it's overarching. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay. And if I look at the 
the Amplified Bible here, it says, uh, oh, I'm not sure. Okay, the Amplified Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial custom. So do not be fashioned after and adapted to the external superficial customs of the world. So that might apply to fashion, that might apply to all manner of things. Okay, I mean, um, you know, if I can just use an example, I, I think I used this a couple of weeks ago, uh, or maybe last week. You know, I've got to, I've got to wear business suits, okay, to certain things and meetings that we have. It's considered part of the uniform. Now, you know, uh, I could go and spend uh, two lakh rupees on a on a on a tailored uh, business suit, okay. Um, you know, you can get them for that much. It all depends on the quality of the cloth and all these kind of things. Or I can make the business suit out of a much cheaper cloth might cost a few thousand rupees. Okay. Uh, you know, these are the kind of choices that we have to make. The fact that I need a suit for me, it's a need. Okay. It's a requirement of my job and my company pays me enough to make sure that, you know, I've got a certain number of suits and I dress decently when I go and meet with customers or, or customers come over to see us here in India or whatever. Right, or I go to business meetings, uh, but you know I make the choice on you know I get to make that choice on how much am I going to spend on that, right? So whether I buy a two lakh suit or a ten thousand dollar suit, uh, it you know it doesn't really look all that different. Okay, it doesn't make me any more qualified. Doesn't make me any more important. It doesn't impress the customer anymore. Uh, but and yet people, you know, because they've chosen a certain lifestyle, there are certain people who will go for only that two lakhs and they won't even tolerate spending less, okay? whether it's uh, the kind of phone that we have, right? How much you spend on a phone because it's a status symbol, okay? Uh, you know, in fact, somebody uh, made a joke that, uh, you know, that the price uh, for an Apple iPhone, the price is actually a feature, okay? It's like a feature, just like, uh, you know, any other feature. So in other words, you know, the, the price can't go below a certain level. So if the price is below that level, then, you know, it's, it's missing that feature, right? Uh, because it's a status symbol. Uh, it's something that uh, people think, oh, he's got an iPhone X, okay, or an iPhone 11, whatever, whatever the latest one is. Um, so, you know, we should be conformed to the world. Uh, you know, we should spend in a way that pleases the Lord. And, uh, and I hope that as you go through these principles that you can get a sense of how you make those decisions. Okay? So, as I said, uh, you know, in this class, we're not going to tell you this is right or this is wrong. Uh, you know, it's all sort of coming together in balance. Okay, how much has the Lord given me? Okay, how am I choosing to spend it? What kind of a lifestyle am I am I maintaining? How much am I giving to the Lord? And how does this all tie together? And is that glorifying God to the extent that I need to? So, uh, so these are all personal decisions we can make, and these are principles that um, you know uh, that uh, that that we can uh, apply to, uh, to to getting there. How then do I budget? So, uh, you know, spending, the way you control spending is by budget. Okay. What is a budget? A budget is, this is something that is very simple. And yet most people, uh, you know, if I ask them, do you have a budget? You know, some, some will say, no, not really. I just spend, you know, whatever. When I have money, I spend it. Okay. Others will say, yeah, I have one, but it's somewhere in my head. Okay. And so then you ask them, well, how do you know if it's in your head? You know, did you exceed your budget last month or did you spend less? They won't know, right? So you've got to be very deliberate about this. 
uh, and have this plan, right? So a budget is a plan for spending money. It allows us to really track. Okay, so you, you set a budget and then you track how am I doing, right? Against that budget, am I spending more? Am I spending less? Am I saving more, right? And, and, this, and this, is, this is a very common, uh, uh, you know, a common technique. You know, businesses use it uh, every year for my business, for my company. You know, we do a budget at the corporate level and then it gets uh, pushed down to all the, the, the strategic business units. And then, you know, I push it down to my business units and everybody has a budget. That's the plan that we target and then we figure out what do I have to do, you know, to meet this plan, right? And then every month we track to say, well, are we doing ahead better? Are we doing less? If we're doing better, does that mean are there some room to make some more investments? You know, if we're not, then what do I need to cut? You know, I need to cut some costs to get back on track. So it really allows us allows you to do that on an ongoing basis. So why should we have a budget? Okay, well, number one, uh, you know, it's the it's the only way to follow through and apply what we have learned. Okay, so it's to apply biblical principles, right? So we have learned all these biblical principles. When you sit down on a piece of paper on a spreadsheet uh, these days, uh, you know, to build a budget, it allows us to say, "Am I applying biblical principles? Okay, how much am I giving? Okay, does this?" Does this align with the principles that I've studied for giving? Uh, how much am I spending on uh, food? Okay, how much am I spending on rent? Uh, does it align with the biblical principles that, uh, uh, you know, that, that I've learned? Okay, does this budget allow me to pay off my debt and get out of debt? Because being in debt is not a good thing. Uh, does this budget allow me to save? Does this budget allow me to give while meeting my basic needs? Uh, you know, and then it allows us to control our expenses. So we can always look at the budget and say, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm spending too much, right? That's why I end up having to go and ask money from somebody. So I need to cut back. Okay, so it helps you do that. Uh, it allows us to control spending and to reach our financial goals. So if you have goals that say, you know what? Uh, you know, my wife is pregnant. We're going to have a baby soon. Okay, I need to pay for her delivery. Or I've got a you know, two-year-old child. He's going to go to school next year. Uh, or the year after, you know, am I saving enough to pay the deposit on his, uh, you know, on his uh, school admission? Um, you know, and budgeting provides an opportunity to pray. So when you make spending decisions, you you have to do it prayerfully. And just because you have a budget, by the way, it doesn't mean that oh, it's within the budget, so I can spend it. You still need to make those decisions uh, prayerfully. Okay, I remember I had an old boss, uh, uh, you know, that. Uh, that was a very tight guy, you know, and he would, uh, you know, so as I said, we had this budget that we had at the beginning of the, of the year. And then, uh, you know, we would, uh, you know, so the budget said, you know, I can spend, uh, I don't know, you know, so many rupees on uh, so many dollars on, on, on some training or something, right. And then we'd spend it and then, uh, you know, it would come for some review and he'd say, well, why do you spend that? And then, you know, some people would answer, well, it was in the budget. And and, uh, and he made the statement. He said, uh, a budget is not a permission to spend. Okay, And he would say, did you come and get my approval? And the answer was, no, I didn't get your approval because it was in my budget. And, and I still remember the statement. He said, well, just because it's in the budget, it's not a permission to spend. Okay, You still need to come and get my approval uh, to spend what's in your budget. Okay, uh, so So the point is that just because something is in your budget, you still need to go to the Lord and you need to prayerfully take a decision on whether I should spend on this or that. Okay. So, so that's the, uh, 
the what a budget is and uh, you know let's just go through the process of budgeting okay so basically uh, there are multiple steps here okay so um, the process of budgeting step 1 okay so by the way all of you know how to use spreadsheets so i would encourage you to take a spreadsheet and and and, and do this okay uh, and don't don't try to do it in your head all right uh, begin where you are today so you first sit down and say you know what where am i spending my money okay what am i how much am i spending on rent how much am i spending on transport how much am i spending on food you know on this 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 emis i have put all that down okay uh, so determine your current expenses okay determine precisely how much money you earn today right so it's not just your expenses but also your your income right uh, and uh, keep a record so what you need to do is you start uh, you know keeping a record of all your expenditures and there are some apps nowadays where you can just when you spend the money you know, even if you're paying cash you just put it in there and you can categorize it. so you come up with some eight or 10 categories and and categorize it okay determine the monthly income that you have from all sources and record it okay wherever i'm getting income from and put it in there so you reduce your monthly income by taxes and other automatic expenses so you take out you know the things that you have no choice over you got to, if you're if you're within a tax bracket you got to pay the government okay determine non monthly expenses so uh, for example you have some things that you might pay once a year okay maybe it's your insurance maybe uh, it's your vacation okay and you divide that by 12 right put that as a line item in your budget so the the reason for that is that that allows you to save up money for the need that you know is coming in the future so your budget should not just be what i need to live today but it's also things that i know happen once a year okay because sometimes we get to that point in the year where we have to pay for the car insurance like i don't know if car insurance is paid here monthly or annually let's assume it's done annually okay you get to you know november where it's due and you don't have money saved up but if you divide that up by 12 and you are saving aside a little bit every month and you're not touching it then when november comes you've got a little kitty from which you can pay that right so so um yeah determine monthly income from all sources and determine non monthly expenses put that in your budget you know uh, reduce from your income the taxes reduce from your income the amount of giving based on the principles of giving so if you are uh, determined that you're going to give 10% from your uh, take home pay you take the 10% out put that under the giving category okay set that aside right and then you complete your estimated budget so it's quite possible that the first time you do this your uh, you know your expenses are going to end up looking higher than your uh, income okay don't be discouraged so what do you do next then you go to step 2 you know figure out how do i get where you want to be okay um you know and this happens in the corporate world as well every year you know all of my business unit leaders they come to me so we give them a target and inevitably uh you know inevitably they'll come for and i have like three reviews with them okay they'll come with the first one is way out of whack okay and 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 i know they all play this little game where they think that if they come to me with a, a, a you know a budget that's way above the target then i'll give them some leeway so i look at that and i say well you know you can afford this go figure out how you're going to reduce cost come back with a and they'll come back the second time it will still be not better but not quite there right so it takes about three times for them to finally get the idea that you know what we can only afford so much okay so so you got to get to the target um so similarly 
keep looking at it and, and questioning, you know, do I really need to make this expense? Okay. Do I have ways to increase my income? Okay. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and so you, you try to get, get this budget down to where you want to be. Okay. And, and you might have to make some tough choices. Okay. And, and in step one, you need to log everything you spend. Okay. So even all the money you're spending on uh, buying expensive coffee from uh, Starbucks or coffee day, uh, you know, just the snacks that you buy that you don't need, you know, uh, log all your expenses so that you know where you are to be. Okay. And then step three, okay. You start controlling your actual expenditure. You stick to the budget. That's why I said, you've got these apps where you can, you can put your budget, you can put how much you're spending as you're spending it, you record it. And you ensure that your actual expenditures are staying within the budget uh, limit. So if, if, for example, you know, you're so tight this month that uh, you know, some, some expenses come up that you didn't expect, then you need to cut from somewhere else to meet that expense. Okay. You need to not go out to eat so much. Okay. You need to eat, uh, you know, stop eating non-veg. Okay. Unless as Ajit says, uh, you know, non-veg is cheaper than veg, which I still find hard to believe. Ajit. Um, set aside monthly allotments for non-monthly expenses so that money is available when payments come due. So I talked about this. You know, consider putting that to a separate account. So I'm, I'm saving this up for that once a year expense that's going to come in, in, in you know, September or October. Okay. So do not stop. So keep doing this again and again. Okay. And then again, when once a year, if you've got a job and you get your increment, you go and reset your budget and you say, you know what, what am I going to do? And, and you look at it and say, you know what, nothing much has changed. Okay. I was single last year. I'm still single. I didn't have any kids last year. I still don't have kids or I had one kid. I still have only one kid. Um, you know, nothing has changed. So, you know, I really don't need to increase my lifestyle okay, this year. So what am I going to do with the extra money? Maybe I'll give more of it to the Lord. Okay. Maybe some of it I'll save because, you know, I know I plan to get married and we have to move into a, a flat. I've got to pay a deposit for it. Right? I've got to save up for the, for the deposit. So, uh, so what the budget really allows you to do is put everything down. It gives you a, a clear plan. It gives you a way to control your expenditures. It, it helps you make very wise financial decisions. Okay. Um, so, you know, you should also think about ways to increase your income. Okay. Maybe there are part-time jobs. Maybe there are home-based businesses that involve the family. Um, use extra income that you get to balance the budget, not for new expenses. So, if you're struggling in an area, you know, use that new expense to meet that. Okay. Um, or if, or maybe you're spending more, you're having to borrow, you know, get rid of the debt. So do not consider options that contradict your priorities. So don't, uh, don't try to get income by working so many hours somewhere else that's going to harm your relationship or family. Maybe there are times where you have to do it for a season. Okay. That's understandable, but don't do things that's going to take away, uh, take time away from serving the Lord. All right, so uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, so, so that's the increasing income part. Uh, and the other way to make your budget balance is by decreasing your expenses. All right, so what do you do? How do you do that? First of all, you evaluate every expense. Do I really need it? Okay. Now, this is something you have to do, especially if your budget is not in balance. Okay. So eliminate unnecessary expenses, reduce other expenses that can't be eliminated, you know, eat out less, uh, go around, uh, you know, spend less money on, uh, um, on um, what is it, petrol or diesel, 
by going around, going out less or, or walking or taking public transport, um, you know, differentiate between needs and wants. Okay? So uh, needs are necessary expenses. Wants involve choices about quality of goods. Okay? So, uh, for example, a used car may be sufficient to meet the need for transportation, but a new car would be a want. Right? Uh, and then the third one is desires. Okay? Cho- choices that can only be made out of surplus funds after all the obligations have been met. So these would be things like vacations, trips, okay, some amusement thing, okay. So, uh, you know, keep looking at everything and differentiate, right. You focus on the needs. Only after the needs are met with the most basic do you go to the wants. And only after those are met, you know, you prayerfully go to the desires and you don't want to overdo the desire part either. As I said, you know, you want to go out with your family and spend a couple of days somewhere, you know, Nothing wrong with that, right? It's all a matter of, are you in balance, right? Uh, are you doing that at a time when you're not able to meet your basic needs, when you're overspending your budget, when you're not giving to the Lord, right? When your financials are completely uh, out of control, right? That doesn't make any sense, okay? For, for you to be jetting around the world, taking flights and going to resorts, uh, you know, and you're having to borrow. I've heard of people who have borrowed money to go on holidays, Okay, that makes absolutely no sense at all. You don't go borrow to meet your desires. Okay, um, Evaluate your major expense categories based on the percentage guidelines. So I'm going to give you some percentage guidelines. Uh, and, and these are just guidelines. So we'll talk about that now. So here are the percentage guidelines. So uh, here are the main expense categories. Uh, and, uh, and you can see here, you know, I sent this out to you in your, in your notes. Uh, so housing, okay, 25 to 30 percent, food, 10 to 15 percent, transportation, you know, and so on and so forth, right? So these are some expense categories, and they help to, they, they're sort of like guardrails, okay? So it helps you to figure out, you know, uh, let's say you're deciding to, you're renting, okay? How big of a place should I rent, okay? Use this as a guideline. Say, so you know what, I shouldn't do more than 25 to 30 percent of my, uh, you know, take-home pay. Okay, so this is after giving and taxes. So this is take home, which already, you know, they take the taxes out of that, minus your giving, right? Whatever is left, okay, of that 25 to 30%. Okay, food. Okay, so it helps you to make the decision, what kind of place should I rent? Okay, is it a PG? Is it a 1BHK? Is it whatever, right? Uh, Again, based on need. Um, And uh, it also helps you when you're going to uh, EMI. Okay, so rent EMI, you can look at it in the same way. Right, uh, you know how much of an EMI, how much of my monthly income should I spend on EMI for a for a flat or a house? Okay, so these are the things. So I just did a little illustration here. If you uh, take somebody who's got forty thousand, I just picked a number that seemed reasonable for somebody uh, you know at the, not at a very senior level. Uh, so forty thousand a month, let's say. Okay, you're you're getting forty thousand a month take home after you're giving. So let's say you're giving. 10%, so you make about 44,000 take home, right? And you, uh, you know, you've given about 4,000, 4,000, 5,000, whatever, and you're left with 40,000, okay? So applying these, uh, these um, uh, guidelines, how much should you spend? Okay, I shouldn't spend more than 10 to 12K on my housing, okay? Now, if that means I got to get a place, share it with three guys that some of you are doing, you know, that's what you should do. Right, I shouldn't spend more than four to six k on food, so I should 
go and buy the groceries and cook myself and not eat out every day, you know, spending a few hundred uh, rupees a meal, right? Uh, you know, that's not going to keep me within the budget for a month. Okay, transport, right? Uh, insurance. Some of these may not apply, but, um, you know, clothing, right? So, so when you have something like this that you've set up, and by the way, you don't have to have all these categories. These are just, I just picked this up from a, from a book that I was reading and I used to study for this. Uh, you know, school, right? So that should drive what kind of school I can afford, okay? Uh, you know, investment. So notice a couple of ones I'll pick out, okay? Debts and investments. So notice that the, the range is zero to some number, okay? The point there is that you don't do those unless, okay, that should be zero unless you have something left over in your budget, okay, after meeting all the essential things to actually go and do that, okay? Uh, so these are just some guidelines to follow. These are not, this is not like the 10 commandments. Okay. Thou shalt not exceed 25 to 30%. But, uh, you know, uh, some guidelines that if you, if you were to use them, you will, uh, you, know, you will hopefully uh, be able to, uh, you know, get some control over the financials in your life. Okay. So uh, what is man's approach to spending? It's to acquire as many expensive possessions as possible because they are, Evidence that you are a successful and important person. What is God's way? It's that the, uh, the excessive accumulation of possessions will distract you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Okay. So, uh, so I know that's a lot of stuff that we covered there. I, I won't, uh, uh, I guess I'll stop here and maybe we can. All right. I think we are out of time. Uh, we will continue to do the pigeonhole and keep questions coming. So, uh, does anybody have any final thoughts or any questions they want to ask? All right, uh, everybody have a good uh, afternoon, good lunch, and uh, we'll meet again next week.